everybody, I'm Debbie Montgomery Johnson, founder of the nonprofit The Woman Behind the Smile, and your host of Stand Up and Speak Up, a show that is about each and every one of us. Many of us have something, something we're hiding, something we're ashamed of, something not through no fault of our own or through our own making we keep hidden, and that in turn keeps us hidden from each other and the world. Good people go through terrible situations. Wise people know when and how to let it go. Everything that happens to us helps us grow, and while it may be hard to see it right away, the most important thing to do is to change your perception about your circumstances. Regardless of what your personal experiences or traumas have been, this showcase series is designed to ignite the light in you, as well as providing safe harbor, education, personal growth, and resources so that no matter where you are on your journey, you'll have the courage to move on when you're ready. Stand Up and Speak Up features ordinary people who've been through extraordinary situations and struggles and found the courage to step out from behind their smiles and speak up about their experiences and the lessons gleaned from those experiences. Everybody heals at a different pace, and we recognize that. So come on in, have a listen, and enjoy the ride at your own speed. Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Dr. Tim McGinnis. Um, while I may superficially look like Debbie Montgomery Johnson, I don't think she has a beard. I'm standing in as her guest host today on her podcast, Stand Up and Speak Up, presented by the woman behind the smile. Um, I'm one of the directors of the Society of Citizens Against Relationship Scams, as is Debbie Montgomery, who we are incredibly grateful for her participation, her support, and her tireless advocacy on behalf of the victims of online financial fraud. Today, I have with me three guests who each are survivors of online financial fraud, aka romance scams. And we're gonna have a discussion today about different aspects of their experience after their scams ended, after they broke free of the criminals that had lured them in, groomed them, manipulated, controlled them, when they were able to finally bring it to an end, close it off. And as always, I want to emphasize to anyone listening to this podcast that the victims of online financial fraud are not to blame for what happened to them. They were simply available online and they were targeted by organized transnational criminals who do nothing but this kind of fraud on a worldwide basis. There are well over 50 million romance scam victims alone worldwide. In the last four years, we had this situation very much under control in 2019, but in 2020 with the pandemic, it exploded. Partly it was because everybody was living their lives online. So we went from less than three quarters of a million new victims in 2019 to well over two million, possibly three million romance scam victims in 2020 and a similar amount in 2021. Fortunately, the good news is while scams have been exploding, law enforcement around the globe has give an incredible focus and energy into arresting and convicting these cyber-enabled criminals. In fact, in 2021, 
while we don't have the final estimates, the final count in place, we know it to be well above 500,000 criminals arrested who are engaged in these kinds of, of fraud, these kinds of crimes. So we're going to begin and let me set the stage for what we want to talk about. We want to talk about the period immediately after the scam ended because new victims especially have great challenges in finding responsible, accurate, and properly informed information to help them make decisions about the direction that they'll take going forward. Far too often, victims will choose a path <coughs> while they're looking for information. They end up in the hands of really angry, aggressive groups that focus on exposing scammers endlessly. And unfortunately, all this does at the end of the day is increase a victim's trauma. Now, if they want to participate in those activities after they've substantially recovered, everybody's an adult and they can do what they want. But in the early days, misdirections can be profoundly significant in their future recovery. Unfortunately, about 60% of all romance scam victims will not successfully recover, certainly not within a reasonable period of time and not without more extensive counseling and therapy. Now, on the topic of counseling and therapy, we do recommend that every scam victim, without exception, at least be evaluated by a trauma counselor. And there are trauma counselors available around the world. Uh, many health plans provide counseling. Victims in the United States and in other countries can receive counseling for free. So investigate what is available in your area. In the United States, it's provided under the Victims of Crime Act, uh, provided by each state and uh, regional uh, municipality, counties, some major cities, etc. So we strongly recommend that every romance scam victim, everybody who's been a victim of a trusted relationship scam, get counseling or therapy, because this can be the difference between successful recovery in a reasonable period of time or living with this for an extended part of your life. All right, so now that we've done the introduction, set the stage, let's begin talking about the period immediately following the scam. I'm gonna start with Miss H, who's a relatively new victim uh, Ms. H, your scam ended about how long ago? A little over four months ago. Okay. So, in a generalized sense, you're still going through the, the grief curve and dealing with the impact and the responses to trauma. Can you tell me a little bit about what it was like for you, Ms. H, immediately following the scam, um, certainly before you ended up in, in our care. Sure, so 
Um, my scam started to end a month before when um, my husband, I disclosed to my husband what was happening and he immediately knew it was a scammer and figured that out, showed me proof. I didn't believe it. Um, at that time, so that was in December, I actually filed two federal reports about the scam and, but I still didn't want to believe that it was really true. So I continued to talk to the criminals as we call them for another month. So when I finally decided that, oh yes, this is definitely not what I thought it was, um, because the criminals kept asking for money and asking for it in different ways that I just knew was not right. So the scam ended January 28th. Now, as soon now as that, that date, mm -hmm. is that when you cut off all contact with the criminals? Yes. Okay. So, so that day, in essence, I, you kind of had a soft ending for a couple of months before that. Correct. Okay. So for about um, that month of from December like 18th, I think maybe until January 28th, my head was spinning with this, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, trying to ask questions of the criminal, trying to get him to confess or them to confess that they were scamming me. Of course, that never happened. So on that day, um, I, I just decided this needed to end. And so I blocked him from my social medias. So we had um, met initially through um, a social media platform. So I blocked him there and then we communicated through Google Hangouts. So I blocked him there as well. Um, after that, it was, mm -hmm. a, it was a very crushing feeling, a very, I was an emotional mess. I was headed towards a very crazy deep depression. So um, that was on a Friday. So like that weekend, I was just spinning, not knowing what even to do. Um, I started searching for support groups. So I... How did you know that you needed a support group? That's a great question. And I, I feel like um, I've never been a part of a su support group before. So that was really, it wasn't a normal thing for me to even seek. I hadn't even really been in counseling previous to this incident. But I, I knew I was struggling and I wanted to hear from other victims how they survived this. So my search criteria, and I searched in Facebook, I searched um, support for scam victims. And the first group that came up was SCARS. Now I know, thankfully, that's the first group that came up. So um, my scam ended January 28th. I joined SCARS February 3rd. So pretty quick, um, I was able to connect with SCARS, which was such a blessing for me because SCARS is so organized and forthright with information that it was so easy to 
start my recovery immediately. It was hard. It was, it still is. It's still very hard. But so that was like, that's what I did initially. And so I learned through reading guides and reading posts. Okay, let's come back to that in in a minute. Sure. So in your particular case, you had the benefit of because of maybe the soft termination of the crime, a little bit more ability to get your head screwed on straight, so to speak. But, and then the benefit of, of finding one of the the only seven real organizations in the world. Um, there are two in the United States and they differ quite radically in that we provide as much support as anybody wants free of charge. The other organization gives 10 sessions without expertise in the crime. It's it's sessions by a psychologist, but they're not offering therapy at all. We don't offer therapy. We are not a mental health provider in any way, shape or form. I myself am an anthropologist. We do have psychological professionals on our team, but our mission is to provide essentially professionally moderated and managed peer-to-peer support groups. But so I, I clearly that helped you get through that difficult period and find a framework that you could begin to live within. Yes. Okay. Um, let's go to Miss W, if you would. Now, in your case, it was a much longer period before you you certainly found us, scars, um, and and. You wrote a book, um, and it's a good book. And the only thing in it is you've got some recovery recommendations that we don't agree with, but that's okay, because there are also paths in this. Um, this isn't a the highway kind of a situation. People can recover from these crimes in different ways. So maybe you could tell us about that period when the scam ended until you came through our doors and a little bit about what those phases were, how you found information, what groups you may have ended up with or in or didn't, Uh, just no names, but just in general, generalize about that in as much detail as you want, Ms. W. I was uh, devastated right after uh, the scam ended. Uh, What happened was I was a fan of a famous R&B singer. And um, I posted something on his uh, Facebook verified page for uh, almost a year. But this time it was different somebody uh, posted back and said, if you are a a loyal fan of this person, contact me on Instagram. And I did, and I was kind of skeptical, but I, you know, thought, well, if I can get to uh, talk to this icon that I had been admiring for years, 
and I'll, you know, I'll check it out. And that was the worst day of my life. Because now, so, after, so how did it actually end? Uh, I had sent him money every month because it was doing covert and uh, the scam the scammer imposter said that he could not perform and he needed money uh, for me to help him and my husband is a minister I'm a minister's wife I'm a Christian and he just begged me said he was hungry and he somebody had uh, hacked his uh, bank account and he didn't have anything and so he just kept after me and so you know I told my husband about it and my husband said well you know uh, we Christians we can help maybe one time right and we we sent the money he said he didn't have a bank account so we we sent it in a, a different way a way that he suggested it and after he got the money, uh, that time he said he needed some to help him every month. Well, I didn't go back to my husband because I knew what he was going to say. So I just started sending him, instead of giving money to the church, my uh, tithes, I started sending my tithes to him. Well, uh, after a while, I told him, I said, I can't uh, do this, you know. He said, well, I got to have money. I can't eat. And so I have a little business uh, that's on Facebook. So I needed uh, to uh, get some more customers. So he said that he had uh, someone that would help me uh, get more customers because he had at least uh, 3,000 Facebook followers. So uh, he wanted me to hire him. He said, but it'll cost, you know, a lot of money. And I had some money saved. So I sent him all this money. And uh, after three months, uh, nothing happened. I didn't get any customers. I didn't get any Facebook followers. So I uh, talked to him about that. He said, well, I will send you a check for $40,000. So, and I said, well, you know, I've heard about people scamming folks with false checks. He said, well, I have, this is my investment. I, and and I, my wife don't know about it. And uh, he said, well, I'll send you a check FedEx. So he sent me the check. I took the check to the bank. They immediately knew that it was a false check because it was made out to a playground. But they sit there with me. They was very nice. They uh, checked the check out and uh, they couldn't find anything at first. And the bank manager, he said, well, you know, I can go on and cash this check. He said, but if it's bad, say you could get in a lot of trouble. So I said, no, I said, and I told him who I thought the person was. And they said, well, that person should have at least 10 or 20 bank accounts, you know, with the right. type of money that they make. 
So I said, well, just forget about it. He said, one thing I want you to do is go to the police and make out a, a report. And he said, I won't uh, charge this against you. You can still have your bank account and everything will be fine with the bank. So I did. I went to the police department, filled out a report, and they was just saying, you know, you should have known better, <laughs> you know. But um, I got the report done, and I, when I contacted uh, him again, oh, he just, just went into a rage. He was saying, well, it's a good check, and I don't know, you must have did something wrong. And, oh, you know, he just went, went uh, got hysterical. And I knew that was something was wrong then, and he just stopped, stopped texting me. Okay, so after you ended the scam at that point in time, but you were not really sure 100% that it was a scam. Is that right? Right. I just thought, you know, maybe I did do something wrong. Maybe he was right, you know. And by this time, he, he said from the beginning that he would not try to talk to, uh, you know, a preacher's wife on uh, a level as far as trying to date me or anything. But during that time, he sent me flowers. He sent me a necklace. He, he sent was grooming me, you. Yes. And, and a, a t-shirt with the... And, and, and one of the things that we know for a fact is over the last decade, we've exposed several large churches in both Nigeria and Ghana that are actively involved in money laundering the proceeds from financial fraudsters in those countries. Um, I'm proud to say that in Nigeria, the three that we've identified have, have been shut down. In fact, just this week, uh, the pastor of a large church that had 60,000 followers in Nigeria was extradited to the United States where he will stand charges for participating in financial fraud, money laundering, uh, bank fraud, etc. And ironically, along with him uh, was a bank employee. Unfortunately, the local law enforcement don't always connect the dots. That's for us to do. But this bank employee was a mid-level manager at one of the major banks in Nigeria. Uh, and this individual was creating fake bank accounts under fake names so that victims could wire money, which would then go into the accounts and it would be then withdrawn, deposited into the church for the purposes of cleaning that money so that it could be money laundered because uh, the amount of money that some of those in, as you know, in the in the evangelical world of megachurches, the amount of money is astronomical. And that's not to say that they're criminal organizations, far from it. Um, the vast majority of, of religious organizations are completely sincere and committed to helping their fellow humans. But in this particular case, these were completely corrupted. 
So after your scam ended, Miss W, what did you do in the way of trying to move beyond your doubts and confirm that you were in fact the victim of a crime? Even though the police had told you, even though the bank had told you, there is that lingering doubt. So what was that journey of confirmation like for you? It was very hard because my husband said, I told you so. And I was devastated. I felt like, you know, I should have known better. You know, I, I am a college graduate. I, I majored in psychology and I just felt stupid to tell you the truth. Do you still feel that way? Uh, no, I start searching the internet to see, uh, what help I could get. Cause I felt, just felt so bad, you know, about myself. And, uh, I found, a, a book out of, uh, a doctor that had written a book and it was just made, uplifted me and made me feel so good. Uh, if and, you remember the book, you can go ahead and mention the book if you'd like to. Uh, it was written by Dr. Kathy uh, Wilson. And uh, it's, it, it's, it was just an amazing book. And it had scars uh, listed in the book where you could go and you could get some support. Uh, and after that, I was in the process of writing a book myself at the time because uh, she suggested that that would help me on my journey, help me to uh, recover from this, these bad feelings I had about myself. Yeah, that's part, and, of the, part of the recovery process of telling your story. And it's, it's absolutely highly beneficial. Whether you tell it in a support group or whether you write a book about it, getting that information out. And there's a little secret in that for other victims who are going through recovery. And that is in the early stages, the lizard part of your brain is so in control of everything that you're doing. You're reacting emotionally to everything that the process of sitting down and writing it out. And one of our other guests, Miss P, um, is an avid journaler as well. So that process of writing things down, writing things in a journal, writing a book, telling your story in writing is incredibly helpful in restoring more of your logical, intellectual control over the experience. Was that also what you found? Yes, it, it, uh, it, uh, that's true. Plus, I wanted to alert other people because the person that he was in, was uh, impersonating has uh, thousands of followers. And I believe that there are other women that are going through the same thing I went through because he I was convinced uh, no one could have told me that this one was not the real person. You want, to, you want to tell us the name of the celebrity? The name of the celebrity? 
yep. is Charlie Kent Wilson. Okay. He's a, a famous R&B singer that's been singing uh, since he, they had a group called the Gap Band. Yeah, I'm and, familiar with it. And uh, he was the lead singer. And I just admire him because he had a struggle with drugs. And he was able to uh, marry a psychologist. And she helped him to uh, get back on the road to being to, su to survival. And I, I knew of his background. And that's one of the main reasons I wanted to help because I, you know, saying if I didn't help him, maybe he would go back into that drug life because he he told me, he convinced me that his wife had left him, that she had ran off with the chef and he just, he just had nobody. I was the only one that could help course, him. And, and of course, interrupting you again, I'm sorry, but, and of course that played into your compassionate nature being a pastor's wife, which is the mission. Yes. I I just felt like, you know, I just was doing my Christian duty uh, to help this person because he had such a terrible life. He had slept on the streets and had been sleeping in carts. And, you know, this is the, the story that uh, he was his life story and he was telling everyone how uh he went to uh his cousin came and uh got him off the streets and okay him. we need okay. to stay focused because of the limited time that we have available okay so the reality is you were never talking to him you were talking to a criminal somewhere in the world that was impersonating him and just feeding you a basket full of lies. But right. so you read this book and it put you on a different path. What yes. happened? So, about what was the time scale when you read this book and completed it? And then what happened next? Uh, after I read the book, I was convinced that I needed to be in a support group because. I was hurting. I was suffering. Uh, during this time, uh, my husband passed away, and I re I didn't have anybody. We're and very sorry. Thank you. And that was even uh, harder on me because even though he was um, telling me I told you so, you know, <laughs> I, I missed I missed him so much and I just I needed to uh, find something or somebody that I could talk to and that's when I um, found scars and it was it was very uplifting to my spirit you know just to uh, have somebody to uh, like all the books that you have, I was able to uh, go over the books and find out it's not my fault because exactly. I thought all of all this time it was my fault, you know. And these guys are professional. I found that out that they are very professional and they use all kinds of psychological tricks to get you to believe 
that they are the person that you think they are. Right. So, so it, it was, that that brought you to our door. Yes. So let's let's move on now to Miss P. Um, and same question for you. How long has it been since your scam ended? Um, yes, my scam ended, um, well, tomorrow, in fact, it'll be one year. And um, when my scam um, did end, I was um, very much taken aback. Mine was a uh, banking impersonator saying that he was from the Bank of America. And um, because he was convincing in that way and telling me that um, someone had already packed into my um, retirement account and my, he, um, then all of a sudden he kept promising and promising that the money would never leave the bank because he was a fraud investigator and the money would never he would void the transaction. And so when I did see the money leave my account, I was calling him and calling him and he wouldn't return my phone calls. And um, at that time I thought, this is what it is. It's a big, big lie. Um, I let, let me a interject a, a, a quick question there. Yes. Um, this is going to sound silly, but as you know, I'm an anthropologist. Mm -hmm. so I'm really big on rituals. Yes. What do you plan to do to acknowledge the one-year anniversary since the ending of this crime? Um, that's a good question. I hadn't really. Are you going to do something it. special for yourself? Are you going to go out and create a big bonfire in the backyard and print out, print out photos or chats and burn them alive? Are you going to create a voodoo doll? Um, I don't have any photos and I don't have any um, chats because all of this was um, on, a, on a phone call. Okay. And this phone call went on for two weeks. And... Um, but um, maybe I could get a voodoo doll and kill them that way. They're available on Amazon, by the way. Okay. They're relatively cheap. Okay. And, okay. and they're available for prime delivery. So it's really okay. handy when you have those need for a voodoo doll moments. Okay. <laughs> uh, but in all seriousness, forgetting the mythology and the, the belief system that goes with that, the benefits of creating a ritual the reason why we have rituals in our lives, whether it's birth of a child, a christening, um, birthday parties, funerals, unfortunately, is a demarcation in time so that we can memorialize the moment, but also allow us to move forward from that transition. So when it comes to scams, we're a firm believer in things like Viking rituals. If you've got photos and texts and all of that, print it all out and 
the light of bonfire. It's very satisfying on a very visceral level to watch all of that go up in flames. Voodoo dolls really work quite well. They're, you know, you're not going to put a curse, a juju curse on them. Uh, we used, in the early days, we used to have a lot of fun with these criminals by putting juju curses on them. Being an anthropologist, I know all about curses. Um, so we were able to actually create some really good curses that worked really well. Um, depending upon the country, whether it's Malaysia or West Africa or even Brazil or other countries. Uh, but I would encourage you to think about it particularly as a memorialization of your success in recovery. Do something really nice for yourself. Maybe it's only go out and have a cup of coffee someplace. The best latte or cappuccino that you can find. Or go to the supermarket in the bakery department and have them make your favorite cake and put lettering on the top. First year of my of my new future, or something like that. And eat the whole damn thing. <laughs> and I can too. <laughs> now, talk about after this ended. Um, you reported it to the police. You reported it to the bank. How how, how quickly did that happen? Um. Right away, as soon as I figured out he wasn't going to call me back, the money was gone. I did go to the police right away. This was during COVID, so the um, police stations were all closed down. So I had right. to do my I had to do my report on a phone call, and so I never came face to face with the police officer. But I did go down to the police station and get a copy of it, and he suggested that. Um, I contact the FBI, and um, so I did. I, I went on to ICE-3 and um, made out a report, and um, I thought the FBI would be calling me, but they never did. Um, they just said, yes, we got your report. So was, I the amount, was your amount below 100000 No, it was uh, 350000 Okay. Have you ever called the FBI back? Yes, I did. And it was like, okay, we got your report. We'll get back with you. But they never have. Um, I went to the Federal Reserve and I also filed a report. I went to the Banking Commission and I filed Good. a report. I went to the Bank of America and um, I put in a claim and asked them to help me. Um, they uh, said that because it was done yesterday, they can't get the money back today. They they said that they went through the process, but I have a hard time believing that. So I filed a second uh, claim because the Federal Reserve told me to go back to the bank and file a, a claim and see if I could get the money back that way. No, they called me back and said, sorry, we can't do that. Um, then I started um, going to the attorney general and I wrote him a letter and um, they said, sorry, we, we can't help you. 
um, unless it's kind of like um, more than one person or a group or it's affecting a large number of people. And um, you would think that they would know that, but yes, and yes. And um, also um, what was um, kind of strange is, you know, like when I did go into the bank and I made, I mean, I <clears throat> told them I wanted to do this wire transfer. The um, My um, fraud investigator, he said <clears throat> that he was gonna be watching me with the Bank of America cameras. And um, if anybody tried to stop me, he wanted me to, write down their names because he was going to investigate them too. He, he was constantly threatening me because, it, I mean, not me, but he was constantly, oh, let me know if anybody tries to stop you and I'll investigate them too. And uh, even with my um, financial group who begged me not to um, take the money out um, he was pretty aggressive with me, um, telling me, hey, it's your money. You can take your money out whenever you want. They have no business trying to stop you. And, and, and this all took place over about a two-week period of time? Yes. Yes. Isn't it, isn't it amazing that they are able, and, and trust me, I know they're able to do this. They're able to compress this process of lure to grooming to manipulation to total control into mm -hmm. a tight span of time it's it's astounding at times how effective this is but um you know this is this is kind of like the world the the world of old school soviet spycraft how spies would manipulate their sources to feed them information. And it, it was done exactly in the same way. Every KGB agent is fluent in these processes. I imagine most of the CIAs are, except for the ones that kill people, but it is always amazing. So after the initial period of time, how long before you found us? Um, I, I kept searching because I knew I needed help. I knew I needed therapy. I knew because uh, I just felt like. Um, Remember, we don't provide therapy. We I know. We have a really big sledgehammer. Yes, I, I know. I, but in my mindset, I, I knew I was going through a lot. And I so I got on to Google and I, I was lucky enough to find this group right away. And I felt like, okay. I finally found some women that can not only relate to me, but relate to all the feelings I was having of, of betrayal. Even though mine was not a romance scan, I, I did feel betrayed by this man that kept telling me he was investigating the bank and I had to work with him and I couldn't tell anybody. Of course, I told my husband and my husband says, you know what? He's a bank investigator. You need to cooperate with him. He had no idea there were scams out there like this. Right. Now, you, you see our company name on my screen, right? Yes. And you see that word relationship scams? Yes. Now, when we began, that word actually was romance. 
because that was what we thought the scope of what we were going to focus on was going to be about. But what we quickly discovered was that most cyber scams, which is a term coined by the United Nations Office of Doug, uh, Drugs and Crime, um, they're actually what we refer to as a relationship scam, which is basically a one-to-one trusted relationship that results in fraud and the theft of money or assets. Now, there are many times different participants in the fraud. Um, interestingly enough, we just published an article on our uh, number two Facebook page, which is our news and information page, about a fraudster arrested in Nigeria that is connected to a fraudster that is arrested in awaiting trial here in the United States. What's particularly interesting about this is this is the first mention of the individual roles that fraudsters that these criminals play in executing their frauds on individual victims. There's a there are terms for, like bomber, which are the the controllers. So each of these individuals plays a role. And there are different roles from the establishment of the lure to the establishment of grooming, which includes the amygdala hijacks and the generation of hormones and neurotransmitters that get a victim effectively hooked. And then the harder core manipulation, which is what was happening in your scam, very obviously, called gaslighting. Isolating you from listening to alternative voices and the reason of others around you and keeping you focused in the pipeline that they wanted you to be in, which led to you giving them your money or access to your accounts. And in many respects, if there is a silver lining in your particular case, it is that it ended with the taking of the money because they actually had full access to your accounts and they could have put massive amounts of money through it and converted you into a mule relatively easily. Yeah. Um, fortunately, they didn't do that. So let's change the topic, uh, <laughs> about 15 minutes left. So let's change the topic a little bit and talk about recovery itself, the process of recovery. And let's start with Miss W. What has surprised you the most about this process of recovery that you never would have imagined being on the outside, if you were on the outside or before a scam happened? What is the thing that stands out in your mind that is something that you never would have expected from this process of recovery? I'm putting you on the spot. Uh, I never would have expected that uh, there I would feel as liberated as I do. I feel that um, now that if a scammer would come to me, I would know uh, all of the manip manipulating uh, things that they would do. 
uh, which um, was listed in Dr. Kathy Wilson's book, The Emotional Impact of Being Scammed and How to Recover. Okay. So I know now that I was, I'm not stupid, that these guys are professional, and that uh, they have, uh, anybody can be scammed. Uh, and, I thought, and literally everybody will be scammed. I thought it was just me. I was scammed. That was scammed. Okay, thank you. Um, Ms. H., same question for you. What do you find, now you've only been in this process a short while, four months, sounds like an eternity, feels like an eternity. But as the old phrase goes, miles and miles before I sleep. It's a journey. And for some people, it'll last a year. For some people, it'll last that sounds terrible and it is hard but in your case what has been the most surprising thing that you've discovered initially what was surprising was not surprising but what was hard for me was um finding a replacement for the time i spent and and how hard that was going to be because i communicated with them all day long and yep. so it was very very hard to change my whole life back to what it was the previous and, like, and it's hard to think back that it was only four months and I looked up my time schedule when you were talking about how quickly they um, manipulate I started talking to the scammer on September 20th and September 29th I was looking for money to help him yep that's crazy like when I look back, I'm like, wow. Like, no, that's, that's, that's science. That's really fast. Like it was, it was a really fast thing. But so, but what really has come out of this is trauma and recovery from trauma is um, what that has been surprising to me that it, the layers of trauma that I didn't even recognize I had in myself, that as I go through trauma counseling because of this incident, it has shown a light on the other things in my life that made me vulnerable and made me more susceptible to be a victim. And so that was surprising to me that in healing from this, I'm really working on healing from other things too. Good. And, and that's, that's an incredible gift that if you can crack that door and peek deeply into the darkness, the other monsters that exist in in the id, so to speak, uh, very old term, uh, can be exposed to the daylight and and eradicated. Also, Miss P, same question for you. What has been the most surprising thing that you found in your experience through recovery? I think. Um, well, I, I'm glad that. Uh, Scars suggested a trauma counselor because at first I did go see a counselor and they were just checking off boxes and I felt like, well, this is- Do you is hate your mother? Do you hate your father? And okay. Yeah, yeah. So then I, I 
called uh, my medical group back and I said, no, I need a trauma counselor. Wow, that made a big difference because when I was talking to a trauma counselor, one of the first things she had me do is this, you know, test uh, to see how depressed I was. Well, one out of, uh, on a scale from one to 100, I scored a 46. A few months later, after constantly going through uh, the trauma sessions and also journaling and also um, getting a part-time job and keeping myself a little bit more busy, um, the next time she had me take the test, I scored an 86 and she was like really shocked that I had come so far. And um, I was surprised that I even did. And she says, look at your answers a few months ago and now look at your answers now. And she says, I think you've been working out your feelings on paper by journaling. So I'm glad that Scar suggested the journaling and the trauma counselor. Um, I, I understand that I go up and down, up and down, but at least I know why I go up and down, up and down now. Yep. So if, if you apply this process, this process called recovery, both as SCARS has invented it and as, as a few others have developed their own methodologies for it, what you end up with is being much more deeply aware of your own humanity and the mechanisms of emotional control that exist within your own mind. Um, it can release a lot of demons that have been stored there forever. So we're nearing the end of our show today. Uh, Miss W, I have a particularly sensitive question for you. And if you don't want to answer it, it's perfectly okay. But as you know, in our support groups, um, there's no such thing as race, color, gender, national origin, belief, or creed, because we support victims around the world. But one of the things, and again, I'm an old white guy, so I do my best to be acutely sensitive to all of these issues and everybody's sensibilities. But one of the things that we notice, and I'd appreciate it if maybe you could share a message to others, is very, very few African-Americans or African-Europeans ever look for support. And, and I don't know whether this is culturally founded or not per se, because different cultures look for aid and support in different ways. But what we've noticed in caring for over 7 million victims over, well, nearly 8 million victims in the last seven years, and having had approximately 12,000 individuals go through our support groups, and some will come in and they'll stay for a couple of months and some will stay for years, depending upon what benefit that they continue to get out of it, whether it's a sense of community uh, whether it's friendships, or in some cases they'll reach a point where they're really angry and, and can't stay focused, or they reach a point of resignation and they basically just stop. But 
again, I, I apologize for putting you on the spot, and, and I don't mean this to be racist in any way, but what can we as an organization do to better serve African-Americans? We, By the way, we do serve the Native American communities, and unfortunately, there too, they're very reluctant to acknowledge that this is happening, and it's happening to them too. It's happening to every group of people on this planet, without exception. Uh, whether it's Chinese, Japanese, Malaysian, um, we have a kind of an affiliate organization in Africa, which we're extraordinarily proud of, that helps young women in Nigeria become expert in cybersecurity to fight back against the incredible amounts of fraud that take place against Nigerian citizens and citizens in other African countries, such as Kenya, South Africa, especially Namibia. Um, what is your advice, both for African Americans and for an organization like us, what can we do better to help make African Americans aware that these services are available, they're free of charge, and that we can help. Uh, I think that uh, you could make them aware of that uh, your organization is a great help to everybody. And uh, you could do it by advertising on Facebook, Instagram, you know, so social media uh, outlets, letting them know that they are welcome to come to you, you know, and ask for help. Uh, African-Americans have been taught you go to family right. and, um, you know, uh, it's a weakness uh, if you need some type of mental help or, you know, someone to, uh, and, and they're also very, uh, very private. They, you know, we were told don't let, you know, like when I grew up, my mother said, keep everything in the house, you know, and don't uh, let other people know your business. So that's ingrained in uh, a lot of black people from, from childhood. But uh, I knew that I needed help. And, and like I say, I, uh, graduated from university in psychology. I have a BS in psychology. And I realized that I needed help. But I think, like I said, if you were to advertise that uh, African Americans are welcome, because, you know, we need the help. We need to talk to somebody. We need yeah. the uplifting. And a lot of times you would go to a minister. We go to a minister a lot of times, but uh, they are so busy with their uh, church duties that they really don't have the time to just take, you know, to do. And they may not have the uh, education to uh, help you. And Experience in the subject matter is is, right. is challenging. It is. Yes. It is. Almost learning about this is almost the equivalent of a four-year degree. Yes. All right. So thank you. I, I thank you. I thank Scars, and I, I am just so 
happy that you were here to help me because it's made a big difference in my life. Excellent. Thank you so much, Ms. W. And um, trust me, you and I are going to have a conversation afterwards about some additional thoughts that maybe you can help us with because we do have a program that we're relaunching on the 15th called our mentor program. And there's lots of opportunity to play roles in helping others. So I'd like to thank all three of you uh, for participating in this roundtable discussion. Although it's on the screen, it's a bit squarer. But um, this audio will be uh, released uh, by Debbie Montgomery's Stand Up and Speak Up uh, podcast in the near future. I want to thank all of you. Um, and I want to thank Debbie Montgomery for giving me the opportunity to come stomping through her sandbox. And hopefully I did a good job. And hopefully there was some useful information that came out of our call today that will be beneficial not only to scam survivors, but to their families as well. And if you are the family of a relationship or romance scam victim, I encourage you to go to romancescamsnow.com and look for our webinars, particularly the one addressed to dear family and friends. It will help you understand the situation that these victims of financial fraud face themselves in. Also, we have another webinar on the life cycle of romance scams that will explain in great detail exactly how the mechanics of these scams work from a victim perspective. So, because we do believe that not only are the victims themselves obviously victims, but also families can become victimized as a result of the scam because of the control and manipulation of the victim themselves and the way that that constrained family and friend relationships. So I thank you everyone and we'll conclude the show at this point in time. It's, it's been a great discussion and I thank you Ms. W, Ms. H and Ms. P. Um, and, and I look forward to talking with each of you again in the future. Thank you everyone. Thank you for listening to Stand Up and Speak Up. We are dedicated to encouraging you to remove the mask of embarrassment to being your best self. If you are the victim of a scam or cybercrime, please visit againstscams.org for assistance and guidance about options and recovery. SCARS, the Society of Citizens Against Relationship Scams, is an incorporated nonprofit crime victims assistance organization based in Miami, Florida, supporting scam victims worldwide. If you can, make a small donation to help victims around the world receive the help they need. This episode has been sponsored by BenfoComplete.com a vitamin supplement company that supports happy and healthy hands and feet for those with neuropathy. If you or anyone you know struggles with the pins and needles or numbness in their hands and feet, check out our Benfotemian products at benfocomplete.com. Use the special code STANDUP for a 5% discount on your purchase. Again, thank you for being with us today. Go to my website, The Woman Behind the Smile, for additional resources and information. Subscribe to my YouTube channel and enjoy the replays. My books are all available on Amazon.com and Audible, and I encourage you to join us again. Have a great day.